0: Hello, and welcome to The Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del Lowe, a podcast for artists and storytellers about changing the world for the better through story. First of all, I want to apologize to you because Lulu is in rare form today. We're actually podcasting to you today from Montana instead of Los Angeles because my father had to undergo a procedure at the hospital. And so there are allergies going on and poor little Lulu is clogged up and she's attached to the hip. And so she is snoring really, really loudly in the background. Hopefully that won't be too distracting to you as we move through today's podcast episode. To that end, I'd like to dive right in to the series that we've been unpacking. And last week, I gave an example from the Christian community about a story that ends up mimicking a cynical moral worldview. And this may have caused you some alarm, and if so, rightfully so, because this is the kind of thing we ought to be avoiding. However, today I'm hoping to give you some hope. I'm hoping to inspire you and to show you that we actually have a pretty good opportunity here. And I wanna do that by first of all, reviewing some stuff on a practical level that we need to do when we are dealing with the types of characters, the broken types of characters that we are putting into our stories. And so we've covered this a little bit. If you remember, I started talking a few weeks ago about my friend Bowen, who had created a character that was so selfish that his editor hated the character. And so I asked, what does Bowen need to do practically? Well, on a practical level, he needed to give the protagonist a sufficient reason for him to be as selfish as the character was. You have to justify how hugely selfish the character is in a way that allows the audience to give that character grace. So in As Good As It Gets, Jack Nicholson's character is a horrible human being. He's racist, he's sexist, he's homophobic. We meet him as he's putting a dog down a garbage chute in New York City. And then right after that, he goes inside of his apartment and we're like, oh, he has OCD, he's sick. So we allow it. We allow it. But the other thing is that we quickly find out that all of his homophobia, sexism, racism, dog-hating stuff is actually just posturing. He's posturing because his real fear is a fear of connecting with others. Deep down, he is not actually all those things. He isn't actually a racist, sexist, homophobic, dog-hating, germaphobe. He longs to connect with other human beings. He just doesn't know how to do it. All of the stuff he said and the way he said it, it was just his self-protection method. It was his way of coping. Until he starts taking his pills because... Helen Hunt makes him want to be a better man. Now here's the thing. Two things actually had to happen in that film to get him to move away from the selfish posturing into the heroism that I would argue he always had inside of him. Now in the case of Jack Nicholson, first of all, he's in love with Helen Hunt and she's his waitress and he has OCD and she's going to stop being his waitress because she has a sick son. So there's that but she makes him want to connect with other human beings she makes him want to be a better man in the meantime cuba gooding jr's character forces melvin to take care of the dog after simon has been brutally attacked in his home and has to recover and so it's the combination of those two things that allows Melvin Udall to go through a process of change because, see, change doesn't happen all at once. It's incremental, slow but sure. But you have to give them a significant reason to change. And in this case, if he hadn't had the Helen Hunt character in his life, he never would have agreed to attempt to take care of the dog. And the dog was the very first person, if you will, that he needed to connect with to up the possibility of true soul connection again he had to start with something like the dog in order for him to be able to even go for a connection with a human being so both of those things had to be true and as good as it gets for him to go on this journey of reconnection which is ultimately what the story is about it's about his last chance to connect with human beings okay So notice then, we're saying that there are three things on a practical level that have to be accomplished in your story in order for you to take a selfish or cynical type of character and make sure that you end up upholding or exemplifying a biblical moral worldview. A, you have to justify why they are as bad as they are in whatever way that they're bad. If they're selfish, which seems to be the most popular one, justify why they are selfish. But B, you also need to show that deep down, that's not who they actually are. Because really, they're protecting themselves or there's something deeper than that behavior itself. There is fear or anger or whatever the case may be, distrust. And so that's what they're really dealing with. And then C you have to give them a significant and justifiable reason to change. Something has to happen that forces that character to rethink their suppositions and change to the core. Those three things have to happen in order for your character to go on a full journey that actually works in the story. So let's take a look at another character. And this time, let's look at Iron Man. Now in the very first Iron Man, you have Robert Downey Jr's character. And he's just a selfish little brat. He's a playboy, he's all those things. He's arrogant, he's cocky, he's insulting, he's rich, but he's also funny and we still kind of like him. Uh, He's smart, certainly he's smart, he's intelligent. But he's definitely an arrogant guy who doesn't seem to take very much seriously and who kind of poo-poo's everybody else's concerns and that sort of thing. So he's a selfish character who's out to get what benefits him. And that's where he is at the beginning of the story, when he is presenting a presentation on his latest weapons. And then what happens? Boom. The convoy that he's in gets blown up and he gets kidnapped. And as a result of that crucible, he becomes Iron Man. But not just that, he also stops making weapons because he saw that his weapons fell into the wrong hands. In fact, he's even willing to let his entire business plummet rather than continue to create weapons that are not being used to protect America. He always thought he was doing something good and now he's forced to rethink his suppositions and more importantly, to change his behaviors and not just blindly go into this. They're falling into the hands of the bad guys. So who's selling those weapons to the bad guys? He's not going to add to the destruction that those guys are causing all around the world because those guys are using stark weapons. So he has, to take radical action. He makes a sacrifice. He dies to the self that he was, and he continues to have to die to the new man he wants to become. And we know this because of his actions. He makes changes. But it was only because of the crucible that he went through that he could do that. See, it wouldn't be realistic that he would do that simply by reasoning his way there in life or even simply by seeing the bad guys have these weapons. That might not have been enough. He had to go through a significant crucible of suffering where all of his wealth didn't really matter and he had to think and use his wits and all those things and then see somebody who ends up sacrificing himself for him It was significant enough, it was radical enough that it forced him to question his deepest preconceptions and to reevaluate what he believes and then to take radical action to stand up for whatever he needs to do to make things right. It has to be significant. So if you have a fundamentally selfish character like Tony Stark, then again, you have to justify why he's like that And then have something fundamentally rock his core. An epiphany of some kind because of a huge event that radically changes his course in the way he thinks. And then he struggles to follow through with that for the whole rest of the story. Really, the whole Marvel Universe ultimately supplies the playground where Tony Stark finally becomes the hero that he was always meant to be. But that he has struggled to fully embody his entire life. But by the end of it, Tony Stark makes the ultimate sacrifice. He lays down his life for others. He becomes the hero he was always destined to become and that he always had the potential to be deep down. And by the way. What I love about it is that he wavers, he struggles. It isn't a clear track. He goes back and forth, he wanes, he flows, he doesn't necessarily even know what the right thing is. He only knows the man he wishes to be. He's struggling, he's struggling, but he's trying to live up to his fullest convictions and that is what makes him heroic. Now, at the end of the day, the Marvel Universe gives me hope and it should give you hope too. You know why? Well, for one thing, I've heard a lot of people saying that Hollywood has ruined heroes because of characters like Batman, who propagate a worldview that is completely cynical and nihilistic. Or other anti-heroes like Wolverine, whom we've talked about in a previous episode. He was this wonderful anti-hero, and yet he's heroic, right? Or is he? Is very confusing. He's flawed, but he has the heart of a hero. He's just really bitter because of all these experiments that have been done on him. He didn't naturally get born with those scissor hands, those claw hands, that was surgery. And imagine the pain and the suffering he endured to become the Wolverine. Nevertheless, by the end, he too pays the ultimate price to protect a little girl. The anti-hero finally becomes a hero, and that is a legitimate arc. But the reason it's a legitimate arc is because the anti-hero doesn't embody things like a questionable moral worldview once they've been redeemed from their cynicism. They know what right and wrong is at that point. They're not confused about that. They're not confused that right is right and wrong is wrong, that murder is wrong. That couldn't be true. So they move from being an anti-hero into being a hero. A true anti-hero character has rejected the construct that there really is a right and wrong. They live in a world where it doesn't matter, a world of relativism. That's what cynicism does. It ultimately renders right and wrong meaningless. So when you compel them or you try to inspire them to do the right thing, it doesn't matter anyway. So why should I? I can't make a difference. It doesn't matter. And really, it's all just relative anyway. My personal choices don't matter. So why should I do anything different than what is good for me? So I submit to you that if you have an anti-hero who starts out with that worldview, what has to happen again by the end of the story, they have to have adopted a new one. They have to go from nihilism to something meaningful. They have to go from hopelessness to hope. They have to go from believing that it's all meaningless to no, it actually does matter. My choices matter and I care. They have to go from detached, uncaring and fully selfish to willing to sacrifice themselves for others because they actually do care and they think that they can make a difference. They believe what they do matters. They don't have to start out that way, but they do have to end up that way or else you end up propagating a nihilistic, cynical worldview. And when that happens, our society goes to hell. (laughs) Okay, so again, Marvel gives me hope because the characters all operate in a worldview that is actually moral. We understand what right is and what wrong is. And we also operate in a worldview that says that heroism is possible, that our actions actually matter. In fact, that's why in the Marvel Universe, the Avengers is so important because they must act because it's their duty and because their actions matter and they do good things. Now, yes, there becomes the Civil War where Well, maybe we're actually causing damage, maybe we need oversight. But it doesn't change the fact that they know that their actions matter, that heroism is possible. All that changes in that moment is whether or not they need to have a governing board to help them figure those things out. Because if they're acting autonomously, maybe they're corrupting themselves or maybe they're short-sighted and they don't see the damage they could be causing. Nevertheless, Notice they still believe that heroism is possible, and that's why it's significant. Captain America, by the way, is my favorite. He's extraordinary. He's extraordinary because he has a good heart. That's why he was chosen. The only reason he's a superhero is because he had a good heart from the beginning. He was chosen because of his heroic character traits. Isn't that wonderful? He wasn't a result of some freakish accident or lots and lots and gobs of money. He was noble, honest, loyal, courageous. He was weak physically, but he never gave up because he was not weak spiritually. And therefore he was handpicked because he was good. He never gives up. In fact, what does he say? I can do this all day. This is why, in the movie theater, during the final film of the series, Endgame, when at the very end of the battle with Thanos, it looks like Thor is just about to be killed by Thanos. Thor, who has been our moral center, one of our objectively clear heroes for most of the journey. But by Endgame, he has deteriorated significantly. He's let himself go. Why? Because he's adopted hopelessness. He stops believing that there's hope because he feels like his actions did no good. He couldn't stop it. He failed. And therefore, he lives in hopelessness. And he has to be redeemed from that before the end of the film or before the end of the series. And here's the thing. It's okay that Thor went there because it's a natural thing to do when we struggle in this very dark world where bad things happen. So for a while, it was okay that he felt hopeless, but guess what makes him heroic? When he found out that there was hope to do something else, he still found the courage to try again, even though failure this time would have meant an even deeper death, an even deeper hopelessness, because it is scary to hope. And yet he did it anyway. He was willing to risk it anyway, which shows true heroism deep down. But anyway, my point is, here he is in the final battle. He's no longer the Thor that he was. He's overweight. He's let himself go, and he's getting his butt kicked by Thanos. Now he's had to forge a new weapon, and now the new weapon that he got made is being held to his body by Thanos, and it's about to slice him open permanently. And all of a sudden, Mew Mew, which we affectionately call his hammer, gets summoned by who? Captain America. Now, this is significant. This is huge because it means that Captain America is worthy. Up until then, the only person who had been worthy to wield Mew, Mew was Thor. But Captain America summoned it, which meant his heart was pure, more pure than it had ever been. Because there's an earlier film where he's able to kind of move Mew Mew, but just barely, right, just barely. And so here we are at the end of the story and now Captain America's heart is even purer than what it was when we started. Now we would expect it to be the most tainted by the end, but not for him, he is good. And in the theater, I'm telling you, the crowd went wild. The audience knew exactly what it meant. They went absolutely bat crazy at that moment. Marvel gives me hope, not only in the heroic, but also that the battle for culture is not yet lost. Marvel proves, the Avengers cinematic universe proves that we have people longing for heroes that we have not lost this fight, that we have not yet lost the battle to cynicism. Now, I've talked a lot about what happens when we live in a society that is cynical. When people are cynical, they feel entitled. They feel like victims and they want to make others pay. And I would argue that that is part of what is happening in our world today. That is part of what we are facing. We are reaping the consequences of cynicism. People have stopped believing that they have personal choice that can make a difference. They believe that things just happen to them, not that they make things happen. Therefore, they seek to punish rather than to crawl their way out of the hole that they might be in. They don't always take action in a positive way. Instead, they say, you've done this to us and now you must pay. They demonize and vilify. They say them, not us. Those people. Anyone who can be categorized as being an oppressor or a perpetrator of whatever suffering that they believe they've suffered, they want to punish. And this is the result of being in a cynical culture. But we have not lost the battle. And the billions of dollars that were earned because of the Avengers cinematic universe testifies to this fact. All over this world, we are longing for the good, for the noble, for the right. Again, in the movie theater, when Captain America summoned Mew Mew, the crowd exploded in cheers. How often in your life have you seen people erupt in celebration in a movie theater? It just doesn't happen very often. That shows us that we tapped into something in the human heart that is so deep, a longing so deep, that it caused people to go absolutely nuts with joy, with pleasure. It pleased their spirits to know that Captain America was worthy of summoning Thor's hammer. Now, if you're not into this, <laughs> you might think that this is the silliest thing in the world that you've ever heard. But I'm here to tell you, it is a sign of hope. It is a sign that we have not yet lost this battle. But it starts with us rethinking our own characters. And instead of emulating these anti-heroes who lack morality and are so selfish that they actually don't care about other people... We have to change the kinds of heroes we write. If we're going to write a character that is an anti-hero and is so horribly flawed, then we have to justify why they have that particular flaw. And then you have to change it. You have to start changing it early. You have to start changing it right from the beginning. And you have to give them a crucible that justifies the change. That is how we change culture. We stop emulating what's happening out there, and we stop propagating the lie of cynicism. Instead, we offer something else, something true, something pure, something beautiful. Now, if I can be of service to you in any way, please do check out my coaching services, or if you have a finished project that you would like someone to evaluate to make sure that you're upholding a biblical moral worldview and not propagating a cynical one please do check out my critique services and of course if you're a screenwriter i encourage you to check out my class formatting as an art form i will have other classes soon that hopefully will address all of these things in a much more practical and hands-on way but for now i want to encourage you to check out the website if i can be of service to you in any way in the meantime thank you so much for listening to The Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del Low. May you go forth inspired to change the world for the better through story.